It is the 11 Dubcast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. All kinds of things to get into today, including one thing that I, I think elicits a lot of passionate responses from fans of just all sports in general, but especially college football. So we'll get into that in a little bit. We do have a little bit of news to talk about in this in this very dry period of sports. Ohio State, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks, really, um, and, and what Chris Holtman's going to do with his roster and all the people coming and going and all this other stuff. We have another transfer, an Abel Porter, from a university that's very near and dear to my heart, simply because I looked up some highlights of them on YouTube, uh, which is Utah State. So we got Abel Porter coming in um, from Utah State. Show me the Scotsman. Uh, I don't know that you're going to like see a dude who is going to get you to the mountaintop in Abel Porter. But as, you know, as Colin pointed out, he's a guy who will give you coincidentally enough almost the exact same amount of minutes that luther muhammad uh, was providing for the team last season um i don't know man this is a guy you'll get you five and a half points three assists some rebounds what do you think are, are yeah. you are you so excited talked, about abel porter from utah we, State? we talked about this last week like i was not uh all that broken up about Luther Muhammad leaving the squad because I ran through the stat line. I mean, exactly what you just said. Yeah, the, It wasn't like mind-blowing. It was all on the defensive side of the board where you really missed him. But you know, on the offensive stat sheet, you're like, oh, oh okay, okay. And that's kind of how, how I feel here. I, I think this is one of those things. You know, you remember when Andrew Dockage came in and people were like, huh? And ended <laughs> up being a pretty important piece of that team or team's. Uh, this might be a situation like that. For some reason, Holtman's able to make the transfer magic work with some of these, uh, let's say below the radar picks. Uh, I certainly didn't go out and buy my final four tickets based on this transfer, but you know what? You needed another body. Um, if this is a ball handler, God knows there were enough times this last season. We said, it'd be nice to have, uh, you know, a really good point guard. Uh, This is a pass first kind of point guard, you know, he can play a role and, and that's, that's what you need on this team at this point, I guess. I don't, I don't know what to think. I'm seeing, two different reactions from Ohio state fans. And you tell me where you come down on this. I, right. I'm, I'm seeing a number of people <laughs> who are ready to pull the ripcord um, with Chris Holtman. Like, you know, we're, we may not sure. be talking real true hot seat, but fans are clearly nonplussed by the transfer situation, both the outbound and inbound transfers for the Buckeyes. Uh, and, and then, you know, there's still a wing of fans who I think are, um, you know, hardcore on board with Holtman for all of the, the, the reasons that you love him and, and what he's brought to the table and his understanding of the values of the program and kind of buying into the tradition and all of those things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, are you, are you, are you scratching your head at this or do you say, Hey, it's all part of the plan? I, I'm not saying it's all part of the plan. I, I think the part of the plan would not have had, you know, 20 people transfer from the program in the past two seasons uh is it really is it really that many or did you just make that number up (laughs) no it's exactly that many in fact i might be underselling it but i look i here's here's what i'm going to say i am not worried until i see a team consistently underperform and it's it's weird because you're you're kind of left without a period or you know punctuation to end the end the season you know what i mean like you saw a team that was really great at the beginning of the season looked like complete garbage for about a month and a half 
and then got it back and, and, and played really, really well. And you were like, okay, well, we've got something going into the Big Ten Championship uh, tournament. We've got something going to the NCAA tournament. And then, of course, all of that just kind of, you know, fart in a hurricane and then just it dissipates and you don't see anything. Like, you don't get to see the result of that arc. Uh, and because of that, the the really the thing that sticks in people's minds is that downturn. It's not the the momentum they were getting at the end of the season because it didn't lead to anything. So as a result, when you see transfers and you see people who are going to be graduating or going off to the end, uh, you know, the draft, you know, presumably, um, I think it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And because they don't have anything on the court to look at and go, okay, all right, well. Now we solve this, and, and yes, the transfers are bad, but look, Ohio State can still accomplish something at the end of the season. Without that punctuation, people are just going to be a little bit nervous, and I understand that. Like You're bringing in a dude who's really just kind of a body. Like He's going to be on the floor. He's going to hopefully play good defense, but he's not going to be scoring a bunch of points for you. Um, I don't know. It's the guy here's the thing about Abel Porter, right? And him specifically, he graduated high school in 2014. Uh, <laughs> and he's like 500 years old. Like he's a Methuselah kind of guy. He's going to be there for a season. I, it, I'm not trying to hate on this dude. I I'm sure he's a, he's a division one basketball player. I'm sure he's capable and I'm sure Chris Holton will be able to coach this guy up, but I can understand why people are going to look at this situation and go, I don't know what, direction this team is going in and that's completely valid response until you see the fruits of a full season and and not having that this past year hurts Holtman's case for he knows what he's doing so they gotta they gotta come out and perform well next season and and who knows what that season is gonna look like and what form it's gonna take but you gotta come out and prove something because there's a lot of Ohio State fans who I think justifiably are looking at this and going this looks like a mess right now um, so you got to prove that wrong and there's not going to be the trust there because there's nothing at the end of this past season that, that could have given you that trust. The only thing that I keep coming back to is that for my money, Holtman has outperformed expectations in the sense that, you know, you come in, you know, that first season or two, you should have had very low expectations sure. right? things were yeah. an absolute mess and, you know, team outperformed those admittedly very, very low expectations. And right. I look at this past season, you're exactly right. We don't have, you know, you're only as good as uh, the last time we saw you out and we didn't get to see what you looked like in the games that mattered most. But I, I was really impressed, you know, how after the worst January in recorded history, uh, you know, they came back and put together a really respectable close to the season. So, right. you know, there's a part of me that says, what what I missed from Thad Mata at the end of his era was great coaching off the bench. You know, that you, you went back to Jim O'Brien. You'd go back and say, Jim O'Brien didn't bring in a bunch of world beaters, but you always felt like he wrung every drop of good out of the bodies he had on the bench. And there were times where I looked and said, gosh, Thad Mata brings in these world beaters. And, and, and you were just always right there and never got there. Like, I just always wanted a little more something and – then at the end, you know, it was the recruiting wasn't there and so on and so forth. But I, I felt like Holtman's one of these guys that that can coach up the guys he has. The questions I have is where the guys are coming from. Because yeah. you look like you're now in this in this situation where you're going to be taking transfer uh, or grad transfer guys every season. Like I'm looking at this at, at the scholarship grid uh, yeah. at 11warriors.com, which is a fine resource you should totally go and visit. 
And, you know, so you've got four seniors on the roster, one of whom is going to redshirt um, as a transfer, the, the fellow from Bucknell, um, which is a university half the fan base had never heard of prior to that trans <laughs> transfer. Um, and then you, you look and you see you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five juniors on the roster. Yeah. Um, and then two guys in each class after that and two, 221 commits. So, you know, the numbers just make it look like you're either going to have to get some big classes in here or, and, or probably you're bringing in these transfers. So, you know, and I know we talked about this at different times that Holtman likes these veteran teams, likes the, and so maybe that's how he's going to get there is he's just going to bring in uh, older bodies every year. That's, you know, the total opposite of the one and done (laughs) philosophy (laughs) that you see at other schools. So I'm not sure how to feel about that yet. Because we got to see, we got to see the results. I, yeah, you so see, I guess I come back to what you said. Exactly. And that's really what it boils down to is, is, is there a method to this madness and does it lead to a lot of wins? Because if it doesn't, then that's a problem. And that's something that Holtman's going to have to address, not just with the fans, but, you know, I think with the administration too, they, they wanted consistency. I mean, the thing is about, you know, Mata, I don't think anybody doubted the fact that the guy knew basketball and that. Yeah. Know, he could bring in recruits because his recruiting classes were still decent, but it was just it was the idea that it just didn't appear that there was any coherent philosophy on the floor. They just did a lot of dumb stuff repeatedly. Um, you know, I think Holtman is a guy who can have a very coherent coaching philosophy, and you know what he's trying to get his his team to do and how he wants them to perform. But if the other end of it, you know, if the administrative stuff is in chaos, they don't. That's not good either. So. I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where you really have to prove that you can put both elements of this together. You can have a coherent coaching team philosophy and then the way the, you know, the program is managed is also coherent and makes sense. Yeah, so. and you just love, you know, you wish you you were the fly on the wall, you know, in the facility to figure out, you know, and I don't you obviously you don't know any of these people personally and so on to, but to have a feel for why are they leaving the program in droves? I, I right. don't hold Caleb Wesson against him. Guy wants to go out and get back. Oh, sure. hey, that, that doesn't have anything to do with Chris Holtman. Yeah, no um, you know, and, and the others. So you, it's not like we're arguing about whether or not you want to run the triangle offense or not. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. That, so, so what is it? Is it just, you know, guys uh, don't like that. He's, he's a disciplinarian or that he's, you know I mean? But, but again, we're not talking about Bobby Knight. He's not, He's no. not throwing chairs at guys in practice. I don't it think it could just so. be a coincidence too. That's, I mean, it, it yeah. could just be a confluence of events. It may not be any one specific thing. It could just be, you know, a bunch of guys who just didn't want to be in the program or they had other reasons and, you know, it just happened the way it happened. I'm just saying they got to be able to deal with it. And, and yeah. that's the thing. Like you don't want that to become a theme and you also want to make sure it doesn't impact your team long-term. Here's the other thing I would say before we move on to the next thing, it, also reminds us how incredibly lucky Ohio State football is to have the apparatus in place that they do with guys like Pantone, right? And Mickey Marotti and like that, that end of it, that, that other side, like you can have like the X's and O's and make sure that your assistant coaches and your head coaches are on the same page and all that stuff. But the, the infrastructure of the team right now is so sound with those guys being able to, to get, you know, everything in place that needs to be in place and scouting guys and all that other stuff that is so solid. And as long as, you know, you have a coach that comes in like Ryan day, who, uh, who does have a very coherent offensive philosophy and 
trusts his defensive coaches to come up with something that's sound and you know makes sense and is coherent. I just Ohio State is incredibly lucky to have that kind of consistency on both ends of the program because not every program has that. I mean, I like you look at Michigan. Michigan does not have like the kind of consistency. They're they're in chaos right now on the like the offensive philosophy or the the coaching philosophy end. It doesn't seem like they have a coherent philosophy week to week of what they're trying to do on the football field. I don't know exactly what they look like in terms of their apparatus, their recruiting apparatus, and you know conditioning and all that stuff. But on the field, it's just a mess. And it doesn't matter what it looks like, you know, in, in recruiting and what their classes look like, because you can't put a, you know, a consistent product on the field. High State doesn't have that problem on either end of it. And I think that's really remarkable. But you got to give Michigan credit, though. I mean, I think they have like three or maybe four commitments even now. <laughs> so that's right. that's right. You know. I mean, maybe in another five or six months, they might have half their class filled out. That'd be good. Pro- progress is totally happening. That's right. I mean, they had and like three total, no, three total, three total commitments. This is, hey, they're on pace. Exciting times. Exciting times. Right. They're on meanwhile, pace for half a, an offensive line. Should be good. Meanwhile, Mel Tucker's up there, you know, killing it and he's Lansing. He's got yeah. his first three commitments and the guy's on a roll two months That's in, right. making it rain. Yeah, we're gonna we will definitely be revisiting recruiting, I think, later on, especially as we get into like the summer months, because it's I don't know. You enter into this period, I think, where you know, if you don't take advantage of the time period before football starts up as recruiting like element, it, it, you're screwed. So I, I am really curious to see what uh these teams look like, you know, going into whatever the college football season looks like in the fall. And I think in and we can't get too much into that, but I will say that I think there will be, you know, a, a college football season. I, I think we'll rebound from this and it'll be yeah. all right. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just fascinating to watch. So, um, so let's make a transition real quick. And I want to, this is something that came across my uh, purview a little bit earlier this past week. And um, there was a report out that ESPN was considering moving Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler to Monday night football. And I, first of all, I wanted to ask you what your reaction was to that. Um, And then also I wanted to ask you, um, you know, do you think how, like, I want to ask you about that story specifically. And then I also want to ask you what your opinion was on Fowler and Herb Street as commentators in general. So, well, my first off of the opinion of the story is you don't kneecap one of the best programs you have. to try to make a program that isn't as good or as it should be or used to be or whatnot a little better. You know, I, I, sure. I think you've got a good thing going and, and college football and the NFL are, they're two different products. And so I, I like that there is kind of a distinction between you know, your NCAA type broadcasters and the, and the folks who are really, really good at that and kind of mirrors the coaching in a way, right? Not everybody who's a sure. great college football coach is a great NFL football coach and vice versa. You see some cross-pollination. Same, same with broadcasting. I, I think Fowler and Herbstreet are are really fantastic. Um, they're, they're a good team. I think for all of the knocks Herbstreet takes from Ohio State fans, some deserve it, most not. He's as good as it gets in the business as a color analyst. The guy mm-hmm. understands the game. He can diagnose plays well. Uh, it, it's an enjoyable broadcast to watch. You don't you don't watch a game that Herbie calls and feel like, God, I wish I was listening to the radio instead. 
um, right. which isn't the case with everybody that covers college football. So uh, to me, no, I, I don't see taking your A team from your college football product and, and airlifting them into um, your flagship NFL broadcast and, and hoping it works. It just it seems to me like you're you're asking for trouble because you don't know that it's going to work. Just because it works on Saturday night doesn't mean it's going to work the same way Monday night. Kirk's a, a specialized in right. NCAA football. That's a specialized bit of you know knowledge and understanding and and rapport with the coaches and the staffs that they go and interview to prep for these games and so on. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, there were a lot of talk about like how they would handle that and would Herbie, you know, continue to do college football or college game day in some capacity. I, I think if you're going to ask him to do money football, that's just, you can't split the guy like that. That's just too much yeah. work for somebody to try to do. But I don't look, here's what I'll say about Kirk Herbstreet specifically. I agree with you. I think he's a very, very good color analyst. I think he does a good job on that. Um, I don't really think Fowler and him have the best rapport. When it comes to the broadcast of the games, it, it just doesn't, it feels kind of stilted sometimes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Fowler as a play by play guy. I don't think he's great at that. Um, I really, I, this, I was, I, and, it, and I would, I would say that I miss Brent Musburger. I thought the combo of Brent and Herbie were, and you could say what you will about so, Musburger. We'll get to but, that in a second. We'll get to okay. that in a second. Because um, I do <laughs> want to talk about Musburger. I want to talk about some of the, the, um, you know, the, play-by-play guys and the color guys that we've really loved over the years. And we can get into that conversation in a second. I just want to say something about Fowler real quick, which is that I don't think he's bad at his job. And and here's what I'll say. I don't love the rapport that they have. I don't think that he's outstanding in any kind of fashion. I don't think he has to be though. And and that's to your point about, you know, would I rather be listening to the Raider or whatever, as long as you're relatively innocuous, honestly, to me, that's fine. I'm, I'm totally yeah. fine with that. If you get out of the way of the action and just kind of let the game like unfold and whatnot, totally cool with that. And I think Fowler, while not spectacular, is good enough at that to make it okay to be listening to what he's doing. And so because of that, A, I think it's fine for what he does with college football. And B, I don't think bringing that team to Monday Night Football is going to to do anything and if anything it's just going to hurt college football i don't think it's going to improve monday night football monday night football is a long history of trying to bring in you know announcers to to make a splash or to try to like get more people watching it i just think it's the you know sorry the the product is the football it's not the commentators and they've made the mistake before of trying to bring in people that they think you know would would make that splash and whatnot you can go all the way back to freaking um god what was the comedian's name that they had in for a hot minute oh um, yeah then they bring bill maher in for a while was it uh, yeah. yeah bill bill maher was on monday night football i think it was maher wasn't it i don't it was it was uh god it wasn't bill maher it was the other guy it was um what's his face from like you know like 96 i can't remember this guy's name it's a driver crazy uh, but regardless, the point is, is that that doesn't actually Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller. it was Dennis, not Miller. Bill Maher. Wrong. Yeah, it was yeah, Dennis Miller. Wrong. And, you know, he's making references to like, you know, Nero and, you know, <laughs> the, the Council of Worms and, you know, like, you know Charles the third. Uh, my point is, is that Ooh, that's great. That doesn't move the dial as much. And I think moving those guys to Monday Night Football would hurt college football more than it would help Monday Night football and i think they're fine i think they're adequate as a team and i think herbie's good as a color guy i just i don't know i wouldn't make that move now my question to you is you talked a little about brent musburger 
Is there anybody that you have a particular hot take? Because I have a hot take about Brent Munsberger. Is there anybody you have a particular hot take when it comes to announcing where you're like, I think this dude's either underrated, overrated. Uh, people, you know, give this person too much crap. They don't give him enough respect. What, do you have a hot take on uh, college football announcers? or so, Yeah, I mean, there are a couple guys. Well, number one, I'd say I don't understand uh, people who don't love Gus Johnson. I think Gus yeah. is solid gold. And every time Gus calls a game, I... I'll see somebody, whether it's in our Slack uh, or uh, on the site in the comments that, you know, roll their eyes and groan. I, I don't get it. I think Gus I is either. solid gold, solid gold. Uh, I will stand for Gus every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I'll tell you a guy I can't stand, and this isn't football specific, um, okay. but but is considered, you know, one of the all-time greats is Dick Vitale. I, I just can't, <laughs> I can't deal with, yeah. uh, I can't deal with Dickie V. Save your diaper dandy nonsense and, uh, you know, hell, I'll, take give me the kids that are doing the btn university call uh i'll, I'll take that any day of the week and twice on sunday put put, 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 put me some bill walton on there i just <laughs> bill I Walton's incredible for so many different reasons um, i can't uh, i can't deal with uh just can't deal with dickie b it's not 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 my tempo that's fair i here's what i'll say about brent merceberger i when i was younger uh, he was the voice of Ohio State college football for the most part. Like, you know, yeah. you're on ABC and especially calling like the Michigan game and all that. I mean, you, yep. you are looking live like you hear that in your head and it just reverberates for, you know, months. Uh, I really, really, really grew to hate Musburger towards <laughs> the end of his career. And it's just this is a guy who I just really felt had lost. He had lost interest in actually doing the the legwork of mm. being a play-by-play guy yeah. and really relied on a lot of like canned responses that he would have, have to stuff. One of the things that I absolutely just graded on me towards the end of his broadcasting career, you know, doing the main stuff was he would see something happen and be like, that's a touchdown. And you're like, the guy got tackled at 30 yard line, dude. Like you, just, like, <laughs> he was just, he was clearly just, he was clearly just saying like, okay, that's the big moment. I'm going to say my thing and then cash out. And, and he would do that constantly where it was just, all right. Yeah. That's, you know, you just threw a 50 yard bomb. It's, it's, he's in. And it's like, Oh, Oh, no, he got tackled. It's like, you gotta let it unfold and actually learn about the players and, and make, you know, points. And he just, he wouldn't, seemed like you wanted to do that and people like would joke about you know the gambling stuff and whatever and that's cool but it, to me it superseded him actually doing yeah. the work of play-by-play -play. it was just him doing the canned stuff and i just it, i couldn't i just yeah. didn't enjoy it it wasn't my thing so musburger really for me kind of sour, i soured on that dude and it was not something that i enjoyed listening to honestly towards the uh towards the end of it so Man, there's so I, many I agree with on gus i'm all in for gus i love gus and and it's I mean you so you bring and maybe maybe my hot take about Dickie V you know and it's something to be said for Musburger you know there's a line you know after you've been doing it so long when are you just phoning it in anymore when when have you lost the magic I had yeah. a hard time watching um, Dick Clark those last several years he was doing New Year's right. Eve you know because right. I loved loved Dick Clark in his prime you know doing those shows I mean grew up watching Dick Clark and it's like he's the greatest of all time at that, at that thing, whatever you want to call the magic that Dick Clark was. And I just couldn't watch it those last several years. You know, Lee Corso is the same thing. Like I have a hard time watching Lee Corso. I really enjoy Lee Corso. Uh, it's a shtick, but I enjoy his shtick. 
Right. And it's, and it's harder for me. And so Musburger those last few years, yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't in his prime anymore. So, you know, as there's a, there's a thing about knowing when to hang up your headphones or not. Right. And, but, but you, but you feel like, you know, as a broadcaster, you feel like you've still got it. And, and sure. you know, so you want to, you want to enjoy the magic as long as you can. Cause it's, it's a thrill, you know, even, even just putting on the headphones and kicking it with you for a week in our, our humble podcast of wonderfulness. You know, I, <laughs> I love that. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm an old fun. radio guy. So I love this medium. So I get it. I get it. Why those guys, you know, hang on for every last bit. Cause you don't want it to go away. Right. And I look with as far as Lee Corso goes, I mean, that dude's like you said, he's doing a shtick on game day. I, if he wants to, he can do that as in, you know, for the rest of his natural life. I don't care. That's fine. Cause it's not a, I don't watch game day that much, honestly, cause it's not something that really appeals to me. Yeah. B it's part of the show's identity and DNA. That's fine. If you want to keep doing that and C, it's not an actual game. So it doesn't really impact whatever I'm, <laughs> Really going to be invested in right so he can do whatever he wants i don't care that's that doesn't impact me more power to him i think you know i like i said i agree with you it's it's kind of sad to see it's a little hard to watch sometimes but if that's what he wants to do then more power I, to him. i sure as heck wouldn't want to be the guy who had to tell him coach it's time no. to hang it up right because I, no, I i agree with you like you know what as long as you want to do it hey Go for it. yeah right. absolutely ride the pony um the Here's the other thing, and I'll be a little sacrilegious when I say this. I think Keith Jackson, towards the end of it, um, was really difficult to listen to. And a lot of people talk about, you know, you'll watch clips or highlights of the USC Texas championship. Mm -hmm. I thought he was atrocious during that game. Just was missing people left and right, misidentifying people. The Vince Young, you know, game-winning touchdown, like, that he completely undersells it. I, to me, that was one of the prime examples of we were like, okay, this is not working out. Um, and they paired him with Dan Fouts, which is like the worst possible person. Like Dan Fouts was awful, just complete trash and could not support Keith Jackson at all towards the end of it. So um, do you know who agrees with you about that? Who agrees with CBS me because they yeah. can Dan Fouts this week. So that's right. They did. They did. They absolutely <laughs> did. Which maybe a decade and a half too late, but you know, at least they, they, they took he, care of it. He is out and I and Eagle is going to get a new broadcast partner. Yeah. Now here's what I'll say. A couple the, my all time favorite college football duo is Nestler and Blackledge. I think those guys could really call. Good. Oh my yes. God. 100%. Really now they're not and they're not together anymore but i nestler and blackledge those that duo those guys working together was magic they were unbelievable and here's what i'll say underrated a lot of people here's what i think happens a lot of people give this person crap because they confuse this person with another person uh which is beth moens i think beth moens is a legitimately good uh, commentator. Yeah. A lot of people think Pam Ward when they think Beth Mowens, and as a result, they immediately have this like, Ugh, like they, you know, it's like somebody touching a, a socket with a fork. Like they, you know, they free. Oh God, I can't do it because uh, Pam Ward sucked. She was awful. Beth Mowens is legit good at her oh. job, and I think people give her crap un unneededly. Honestly, I'll stand for yeah. her. Yep, get it. Totally. But I don't know. Is there anybody? Is there anybody else where you're like, they get too much undeserved crap, or are you? Uh, 
undeserved crap. No, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who get a lot of very much deserved crap in this business. It, it kind of, you know, I think, I think, here's spill, here, the, spill the tea, sis. What are we, what are we talking about? Who, who well, are you? Here's the deal. I think this is like being, when you look at quarterbacks in the National Football League, yeah. how many really good quarterbacks are there? Like, I mean, really good oh, quarterbacks. Yeah, like half a dozen, right? Like, yeah, yeah, two. exactly right. And why is that? Because it's so hard to do exceptionally well at the highest level. It's the same thing with sports. Like, so you start out and you're going to call the local football game on, you know, local high school football game on your local radio station. And, you know, what's the hardest thing you have to do is to get the kids' names right, right? Like, that's the hardest thing. Yeah, you know, is, is to get the kids' names right. All right, that's a pretty low bar to clear, right? But think about it. How many times do you hear, hear people, um, you know, the Big Daddy Paul Keels? I think Paul Keels is great. But have you ever heard him butcher a player's name? Yes, you have. <laughs> I've, I've heard it myself. Yeah. You know, so like that, so that's just something that's even the most basic, you know, fundamental part of it. Even guys who have been doing it 20 plus years, you screw it's it up. It's very up, right. And very so there, there we're talking about Keith Jackson, arguably the greatest to ever do it. And, you know, man, <laughs> you just gave a pretty good take. To it. So when you get to the Saturday night football, Monday night football, the premier college or NFL games of the week, God forbid, basketball, basketball moves so, so fast. I can't imagine calling play by play and right. shooty hoops. Uh, you know, it's, it's extremely hard to do it well. You've got to have this combination. You've got to have a voice that people want to listen to. I mean, part of the reason that I don't like watching Dickie V anymore is, is his voice is not pleasant to listen to. Right. Whereas Keith Jackson, you know, when we, we go back and listen to the 2002 national championship game and, and he's waxing philosophical about the Segoro cactuses outside <laughs> Tempe, Arizona. I'm like, God, I want to move to Phoenix. You know, right. talk, you talked me into it, Keith. Right but he had an amazing voice. He did, you know, a supreme control of his vocal instrument. And, and, and that, so that's part of it. So you got to have knowledge of the game. You got to not say stupid things about the sport, especially now. Cause here's the other thing that makes it super hard now is, you know, your, your um, Howard Cosell uh, back in the day and you say something stupid and it gets you fired. Hey guys, guess what? Howard didn't have Twitter to deal with then. Right. You know, imagine some of the stuff that Howard probably could have gotten fired for over the years if there'd been Twitter and Facebook for people to hop on immediately and be like, oh my God, can you believe this guy said dot, dot, dot. Right. Well, that, even that's, factual things, like people can can fact check you in real time. So if yes, you say something yes. dumb, like you are immediately going to be just crapped on, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be something that's like borderline, like crazy or racist, like Howard Cosell said. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> factually in, like minor incorrections or minor factual things that you get wrong uh people can just jump down your throat immediately um so you got to be on your game like all the time which is really really difficult it, the um, other thing I, I think you've got to think about too it's like you, you know there's something to be said for specializing so like i think of a guy like jim nance who i think is really good yeah and you know there was a good story at awful announcing this week talking about um, if Jim Nance had to choose, so we're, we're talking about when the masters gets uh, rescheduled for the fall and what would happen if it overlaps with the NFL. And Nance said he would call the masters over an NFL game. And you mm-hmm. know what? That's the right answer. That's the exact right answer. And, you know, Jim Nance and hello friends. Like I just, I love that. And I think there's something to be said for knowing what you're really good at. And there are very few guys 
Um, you know, Bob Costas could do it. There are a few guys, Vern Lundquist could do it where you could call multiple sports and call them well, but there's right. something to be said for saying, I'm a football guy, or I'm a basketball guy, or I'm an ice skating guy, or whatever it happens to be, and and staying in that role, because maybe you won't be brilliant at four or five other things. There are some people, so what got me thinking about this was, um, um, I was flipping through some different articles about different broadcast teams to jog my memory of different ranker, you know, different um, pairings. Sure. And uh, Chris Myers came up, you know, Fox um, NFL oh, guy. Yeah. And, and he's fine on the NFL. It, 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 I don't have a hot take either way. But do you know what Chris Myers does that just frosts my flakes every year? <laughs> he's he's on the broadcast team for the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show oh, and goodness. is terrible. I mean, <laughs> terrible. Refried garbage in a bucket. And and it drives me nuts every year because I love watching Westminster, but I can't stand the commentary because it's so hilarious. Specifically, his play by now the actual dog people they have on are fantastic, but as the play by play guy, it's horrible. It's horrible. So no, stay in your lane. That's what's sad because there's definitely you can get a situation where a really bad commentator can just kind of ruin it. And I I get it when people say like I hate this guy, I can't listen to him because if that's your personal preference, that makes it so much more difficult. And look, I love Gus Johnson, but I'm not going to pretend like he's not he, he's not polarizing, right? Like, I understand why you would listen to Gus Johnson and go, okay, this guy's a bit much or whatever. Same with, like, Joe Tessitore or something like that. That That's, well, first of all, I would say Tess is on a whole other level when it comes to, you know, love him or hate him. But I guess what I'm saying is I can understand why that would make a huge impact. I can't watch Reds games when Tom Brenneman is is doing the commentary, like the play, like the, I, I can't do it. I can't, I cannot do it. I hate that guy so much. Um, you know, I would watch George Grant on TV and go like, all right, this is, this is my guy. I love this guy. I can, you know, I can enjoy the game, but like Tommy B, I just, I cannot listen to that dude. Um, so Marty, Marty, man, talk about teams, Marty and Joe talk about teams that just broadcast teams that take you back. Yeah. And I grew up with that and I, and oh. I listen to Marty Brennan, but Marty Brenneman, even man, like Marty Brenneman got really hard to listen to because he just, he's just so angry and pissed off at everything all the time. And it's, it's weird how much uh, impact mm. that an can have on a game. You know, Dan Fouts, we were talking about this, Dan Fouts in the 2003 national championship game, 2002, whichever year you want to call it, I guess. Uh, but you know, against Miami is like screaming, bad call, bad call. And he's like kind of standing for Miami the entire game. But it's like, <laughs> screw that guy. And, and so there's the attitude comes across and the only one that you really want to have come across as a commentator is enthusiasm. And I think that's why I like Gus Johnson so much because it doesn't feel like he's in the pocket of one team or the other. He just really likes getting excited about sports. And it's, it's hard for anyone, in my opinion, to get upset about that when you're yeah. just passionate about the game. Um, you know, and Joel Klatt, I think honestly, like Joel Klatt stand super, like he was. Yeah. Joel's State fantastic. Corner. He, well, and he's fantastic, but he was in Ohio state's corner hardcore for most of this past season. Um, but by that same token, he was also really good at his job and he backed it up and it's not like he was, he wouldn't criticize Ohio state and things like that. I, I think he did a great job with color commentary this past season. Um, yeah. And, and I think there's two different things too, because I, I do feel like we're, we're starting to see the cable newsification of college sports. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if Fox sports and, and ESPN certainly know where their respective, uh, breads are buttered. 
and are going to stand for the conferences that they have literally billions of dollars invested of in. And, and it annoys the bejesus out of me, but I, I get it. But the thing I'll say about Clat, specific to our, our thing about column games, is, is it's kind of what I said about Herbie earlier. I mean, if there's a guy who's better than Clat at diagnosing plays and helping me, who is admittedly right. not great at the X's and O's, understand what the was going on on the field. I, I mean, that guy he's, was fantastic at yeah, it. He's very added good. to the broadcast instead of taking, you know, detracting from the broadcast. Exactly. And that's what I want out of a color commentator. Somebody who will give me more like knowledge while I'm watching the game, right? That will give me more information than I otherwise would have had. Tell me what to look out for that kind of stuff. And he does a great job at that. Um, you know, regardless, like, again, it's nice that he supports what I say and he was, you know, you know, but that did not impact his commentary or his analysis. And I always appreciate it. So, um, so yeah, I, it, it'll be fun to see what they do with that. I, I like that. We had so many games with Joe Clatt and uh, Gus Johnson this past season. I thought that was great. Um, they, they called a lot of Ohio state games. Hopefully that's the case in 2020 as well, but we'll see how that goes. Um, before we move on, we want to remind you to check out the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Um, so we'll do this real quick, and, and we've got a couple of questions for Ask Us Anything, but we'll just stick with one. If you want to ask us anything, please make sure that you're sending questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Let's just do one here before we got to get out. Um so this uh, was submitted to us, actually. This is in response to something that we did uh, a few weeks ago, which was a, a truth serum, right? Like if you had to give a truth serum to, a, uh, to Ryan Day and ask him like questions that he absolutely had to answer, right? Like what would you, what would you ask him? Uh, Ken sent us some of his, and he said, what really happened to the 2018 defense uh, I know you're not here, but what really happened to 2015 offense? Uh, JT or Haskins on 2017? What do you think of Zach Smith? And who was the biggest cheater in the NCAA? The other thing <laughs> that he wants to know, which, by the way, I, I love that last one. Yes. The, the thing that he wants to know, and then I want to ask you this. So if you uh, had to like ask Ryan Day on an opinion about something that he wanted, like he would give his opinion on, but wasn't, when he was at Ohio state, what would you ask him? So in other words, and, yeah. and this is what I would give, let me give you my answer to this. Cause I think this is a good question. I want to know what Ryan day would say about the offense when uh, Cardale Jones and JT Barrett were splitting time at quarterback. Yes. What would Ryan day say about that? What would he say about Urban Meyer's offensive philosophy? I harp on this all the time, but Ryan Day is a good coach because he knows what he wants to do and he is flexible enough to understand when something's not working. And I feel like if he was watching tape of that season, of the 2015 season, he would tear his hair out. He would he would rip his beard out by the roots and throw it at the screen. I want to know what he thinks about that. And, and moreover, you know, or, or there again, you know, I want to, who, who would you have started coach? Yes. <laughs> who, who was your guy? I mean, right. I feel like I, I feel like I probably know, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I do too. But you know, who, who would you get? And you know, when would you have made that decision? <laughs> because that was the death by a thousand cuts watching that play out over. It felt like nine months or something like that. Uh, went on and on and on. The other thing I'd like to know is, uh, 
you know, coach, um, could you could you have beaten Michigan with the 2011 team? You know, just Ooh, as it, okay. just as it was, right? Because it almost got it done with the one bad team in most of our uh, uh, readers' lifetimes. So, <laughs> I like that. What 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 could you have done in 2011, coach? But man, that's that 2015 one still rankles, doesn't it? It's by the way. Speaking of, it does. And and speaking of quarterback decisions, I forgot about this. Uh, Urban Meyer was talking to Pro Football Talk about uh, Haskins and Burrow, right? About that particular decision, and he was still saying that Haskins would be the choice. I want to ask you, all right? So let's say you're in that situation. You're the head coach, all right, Andy. You're you're the head coach. You're the one making this call, okay? Who do you pick, knowing what you know now, to start for your team, for the Ohio State Buckeyes football team? Who do you pick, Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow? I mean, Haskins had, what, maybe the best statistical season in the history of... 5,000 yards passing, yeah. fifty. So, I, I don't know how you can fault the decision to start Dwayne Haskins. I mean, yeah, right. you know, uh, Jolton Joe Burrow went out and did the deal and then some i mean he won 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 the heisman and the national championship and stole your girlfriend i you know i mean he just <laughs> he don't all he can be the number one draft pick maybe the whole nine yards i mean the guy uh the guy's done everything but spin strong into gold at this point so it's but but i can't i'm not going to second guess coach on that one because haskins had like i say <laughs> one of the best statistical, if not the best statistical seasons in the history of the university. So yeah. clearly he had the goods. I mean, and to me, and to me, there's, you know, there's more to a team than just that one player. So right. LSU, you know, man, they were team of destiny this go around. And, you know, there, there was just something, there was just something there. All the pieces and parts came together in the right way and, and made magic. And, Ah, uh, you know, if anything, I'd go back and say, why didn't Ohio State get to the top of the mountain that year with Dwayne? Well, right. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I'd say, we, yeah, hmm, you could go back um, and ask some of those coaching questions we were talking right. about under Truth Serum, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I would take Burrow. And, and here's the thing, though: like, do you do you let Joe Burrow be? Joe Burrow of last season, right? Do you let him be the fun slinger who's going out and doing that kind of thing? Or are you expecting him to be JT Barrett, right? Where he's going to be running the ball with the guy. And and they're to, yeah. And there again, that's a difference between Urban Meyer and Ryan day. Cause I feel like Ryan day could absolutely go with Broadway Joe and, and, and have fun with it. You know, that's something Urban Meyer while, while to a large extent, I think Urban did, you know, adapt to a certain degree to his personnel he didn't do it as well as I think Ryan day is, is doing it. Right. Um, and and, I, and I think there was a certain degree of, I'm going to mold you into this prototype vision I have for what a, you know, quarterback should be in an Ohio state system, this spread to run offense, whatever you want to call it. And it, it, it just felt like that we we're going to try to, and that's why I think we had that ongoing death by a thousand paper cuts. So, <laughs> right. Cardale, Jay really wanted Cardale to run the offense like JT Barrett did. <laughs> right. And that's, that was never going to happen. It's so. not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I just, I think it's a fascinating question and, and you know, it's, it's just one for the ages, I guess, because you've got a situation where a guy threw for almost 5,000 yards and the other dude won a Heisman and national championship. So 
it, the whole thing's just it's it's wild to think about all those quarterbacks on the same roster at the same time. God almighty. Uh, but that's what it, that's what it, the reality was. Madness. Um, you go from a situation where a third string quarterback wins a national championship for you and then like 2 years later you got oh my god all that it's just it's wild. And and so. you know there's a part of me that says that'll never happen again because of the transfer, you know, it's sure. we've become so much more player friendly, I guess you'd say, or player mobility friendly. And in this discussion, you know, we're going to make it even more so, um, you know, when football gets full on kind of non-revenue sport transfer rules, which is where we're moving. Right. Uh, and we've all been pushing for that and kind of celebrate that and so on. But I think, um, so part of me says it'll never happen again because guys won't wait that long. The other part of me says, well, you know, that you're going to bring those guys in also so you know who knows what what the progression of quarterbacks is going to look like over a two or three year period and there was an interesting i thought there was a really nice article on the site this week um you know talking about cardale jones comments on um you know the transfer rules and referred to you know cardale kind of being the poster child for being patient you know taking your taking your time and yet i think the the story was cardale's supportive of guys being able to transfer so oh, sure yeah you know there, there's there's that question right do you do you stay and bet on yourself uh or do you take the money and run so to speak right um well we can we can revisit this conversation at the end of next season when tate martell wins the heisman and you know we gotta decide whether ryan day made the right choice or not so Wonder yeah. what the wonder what the line. See, you know, Vegas is closed, so we can't get a line on, on That's right. a, a true line. But uh, yeah, take them odds. They got to be pretty even, odd. even odd. Be pretty fat even at this odd. point. Even, even money, yeah. Even money. <laughs> Go, uh, putting putting my money down as we speak. Uh, all right, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Andy, obviously, for coming on. Let's have a great Dubcast, and uh, we'll see you all next week.